welcome to the Alatia Foundation's latest podcast of the current series, where we seek to address the urgent energy topics of today by hearing the opinions and insights from our invited experts. The Alatia Foundation is an independent think tank aiming to provide robust and practical knowledge on global energy and sustainable development topics and communicate these for the benefit of the Foundation's members and community. On today's podcast, we're delving into refineries. We all know the COVID-19 virus has caused a reduction in demand for crude oil. However, what is less spoken about is how that reduction affects the chain of actors in the oil production process. Practically all crude oil is refined into final products for consumers, and the demands for final products such as gasoline, kerosene, gas oils, and diesel have all been differently affected by the virus. Of course, this causes problems for all refiners, and while all refiners have some flexibility as to the mix of products they produce, refiners are not immune to demand reduction. So how are refiners coping with the large changes in demand? Will some refiners collapse soon or at all? And how will they cope in the long term as we move to a new normal? Today, I'm delighted to welcome our podcast guest, Alan Gelder. Alan is Vice President of Refining Chemicals and Oil Markets with Wood Mackenzie Limited. Wood Mackenzie, who we know as Woodmac, is a global energy, chemicals, renewables, metals and mining research and consultancy group with an international reputation for supplying comprehensive data, written analysis and consultancy advice. In 2015, the company was acquired by Verisk Analytics, an American data analytics and risk assessment firm. It's based in Edinburgh, Scotland, though it has over 25 offices worldwide. The company's energy business was founded in 1973 when it started reviewing the North Sea oil fields. Oh, good afternoon, Alan, and welcome once again to an Alartia Foundation activity. It's good to have you back. Uh, thanks, Sammy. It's, nice. it's a pleasure to be invited and be invited to explain our view on the refining sector, which is certainly facing many challenges right now. Indeed, and we're looking forward to getting your perspective. Well, let's begin, if we can, with a non-virus question for you. In January this year, we were all worried about the effect of the International Maritime Organization's regulation changes and what would happen to the fuel oil markets for shipping. Now, this problem seems to have been swamped by the loss of overall demand, but has the problem gone away, Alan? We think the problem certainly eased. I mean, if we go if we go back to what we were thinking pre-pandemic, the need, the fact that shippers would need more clean fuels is generally going to be good for refining. What we were looking at was a boost in the requirement for gas oil because we didn't think there would be enough very low sulfur fuel oil available. We're nine months in. Um, directionally, we were right. The, uh, the boost we were expecting early in Q1 of this year and sort of Q4 last year didn't really happen, but that was because there were lots of very low sulfur fuel oil stocks available. But we are seeing a bigger demand requirement for marine gas oil from, from the shipping sector. So there is an uplift. The challenge that's is good actually- news for the refiners, right? There is some good news there. That was good news, but that's just really been swamped by what's happened in terms of COVID-19 
and the pandemic and the impact that that's had on economic activity economic activity and as we mentioned as I mentioned before the drop in oil demand April year on year the oil demand drop was 21 million barrels a day which is which is huge so that's that's really masked what was happening for the IMO compliance so we think the shipping industry the issue the the need for more gas oil remains but it's coming at a different place because many of the many of the ships are still installing scrubbers so the problem that the IMO will pose will be smaller when we come out of the pandemic than it would have been at the start of this year if we had not suffered COVID-19. And staying with industrial sector problems, we see the airline industry, of course, has also been hit by a huge reduction in demand, hasn't it? How are refiners coping with the reduction in demand for aviation kerosene? Well, we've seen, I mean, aviation was a key, dro- key growth sector. Europe was a target for imports of jet fuel from Middle East and from Asia. We've seen the collapse in demand and what we've seen is really refineries shift yields. So they've moved, they're trying to minimize the amount of kerosene they're producing. So global kerosene yields have roughly halved. In most refineries, they can largely blend it away. But what that results in is slightly more gasoline, but, but significantly more diesel gas oil. And so what we're seeing is we've still got a surplus of jet fuel, still plenty of stuff, still plenty in floating storage, but that jet fuel that isn't being produced is appearing in middle distillates in diesel gas oil. And so that's leading to high middle diesel gas oil stocks globally, which means the whole complex of kerosene and diesel gas oil, their crack spread, so premium to crude, is actually very, very weak. So whilst they're able to divert the volume, the fact what it's doing is leading to an oversupply of those fuels globally now and so the incentive to make them is very is very poor so what it's doing is driving the premium of those products over crude to be i think europe last week was almost a historically low level so pricing is very weak and what about the long-term implications for that oversupply how do you see it developing or shaping up well, it's one of it's one of the constraints that the refining system needs to face in recovering from recovering runs. So what we saw was oil demand dropped far faster and further than the drop in crude runs. It resulted in high stocks. Those high stocks need to be worked down before margins return to healthy levels. So the challenge for the refining industry is its utilization is low that means profitability is low but it needs to exercise some discipline to reduce the stocks otherwise that profitability will just remain low for quite some time it's also the end of the driving season in the us and europe does that mean more problems on the horizon for refiners and stocks it means they don't ease very quickly um so northern hemisphere driving season it means us gasoline demand growth actually stops it stalls. So what you end up with is there's limited, far lesser demand for gasoline. We've talked about high stocks uh, of middle distillates. So what that's doing is resulting in crack spreads for clean products being very weak. So 
over the winter, what we're, the fear we have is that margins will be remain very poor. That means there'll be economic run cuts, and we fear some some sites. How can we we fear the about the commercial viability of some sites with this very weak margin environment that we don't see going away for quite some time because there's no draw on gas there's no pull on gasoline because it's because going into winter and we we've got high diesel gas oil stocks. You mentioned there weak or reduced uh, refining margins. Is that the outlook for a while now? I mean, traditionally, refiners have cut crude runs and taking turnarounds at times of reduced demand. Is this basically what's happening and what we're looking at for the foreseeable future? Sadly, yes, actually, because um, there is a broader con there is a broader context that's that's going on in the pre pre pandemic. We were our forward-looking balances suggested refinery utilization 20 we suggested 2020 was going to be a very strong year and things were going to get weaker because we've got more capacity being added than demand growth unfortunately covid19 may well have destroyed two years of demand growth so as, as economies recover hopefully as we go into 2021 we're still looking at surplus refining capacity and that refining capacity surplus we think stays for the next few years so whilst 2021 will be a little bit better than we hope 2020 we're not we don't think we're going to get to the levels of the 2016s 2017s for quite some time so it's we think there's a period of three or four years where margins are just going to stay very weak which is going to challenge the viability of a number of competitively weak sites Interesting. This segues nicely when you say challenge the competitiveness and viability. Are you saying basically we're going to see some consolidation among refining companies? And if so, which companies are at risk? You know, international oil companies, national oil companies, independent refiners? Consolidation's got two edges to it. So consolidation, you think of, in a sense, M&A activity. Um, at the moment, it's... There's lots, of, there's lots of refineries for sale. There's not particularly many buyers. And there's not really a great desire within the buying community to get more exposure to ref refining. So another aspect around consolidation is more around rationalization, where some of the weaker assets stop operating as fuel refiners. So they're effectively closed. There's an awful lot of talk well, I was going to say there's, there's, there's evidence. Um, Shell recently declared that its Tobango refinery in the Philippines is to become a storage terminal. Total has declared one of its sites in Europe will stop processing crude. The Australian refiners are talking about threats of closure. Neste in Finland is talking about maybe potentially closing one of its weaker sites. So the industry news discussions headlines are many of the companies are looking at what they do with their weak sites and do they need to do they need to close do they need to close them and that applies effectively particularly for the international oil companies because many of those are also dealing with the energy transition they're talking about moving to net you know, net carbon zero at certain points so 
do they need those refining assets? Is now the time to look at some of those things? National companies, the issue is how do you minimize the commercial impact of this period of weak margins? And for independence, to a degree, it's something it could be it could be more about survival. How can they ensure the company survives? Because many of the independents are based around only one or two sites. So they need to decide, you know, for them, it's critical that they establish a survival plan. Well, taking this thought a little further then, I mean, we're talking about projects being deferred if refining margins of thin utilization is low. Does this mean basically we're storing up problems for the future in kind of the best case scenario? Possibly, yeah. Um, challenge we have is we've looked at demand growth, Not we're losing two years of demand growth, but the projects that we believe are to be implemented between now and 2025, those projects haven't been cancelled, they're still coming. There's only there's some modest delays coming in. For the ones that are being commissioned now or in this, in this sort of the end of 2020 into 2021, commissioning dates are slipping by a few months as they try and work out how to commission whilst so, you know, maintaining social distancing and travel restrictions and those sort of things. Exxon's talked about delaying its project in the US in Beaumont for a year, which fits with the outlook that we have for when US title returns to growth. But many of the big projects that are coming, we still see them coming. So when could that period of uplift be? Well, if the industry doesn't rationalize significantly in the next few years we think it might not be we might be looking at a margin boost beyond 2025 so it could be a sustained period of weakness so the problems won't come quick won't necessarily come quickly unless the industry does rationalize extensively in the next year or two do you see signs of the industry rationalizing we're surprised at the amount of news flow there is around it. I think a lot of companies are taking this very seriously now. If we think back to the last period of rationalization, which was into sort of 12, 2012 to 2015, decisions were made, they, they were made, they were difficult decisions to make and took some time. The fact these discussions are happening now means actually the decisions may be taken more quickly. Some of the news flow may be a plea for help or support from governments because governments have to decide whether the, indus the industry they have, if it's strategic, they need to establish whether whether they can help. So it could be some of these some of these things could be a plea for help. So our, sus our suspicion is refinery closures are difficult things to do. And so we're not expecting many to come quickly. But we could be we could be surprised on that if the industry becomes very decisive. I'm talking about expectations. So last year we were thinking petrochemicals were the future for refining. This was perhaps in response to climate change effects on the demand for fossil fuels. What's happened to petrochemical demand during the pandemic? Has the topic of circularity and the move to net zero carbon emissions changed your view? Do you still see refinery and petrochemical integration as the way forward? Well, if we just look at petrochemical demand, it's petrochemical in petrochemical demand in aggregate is down a little bit, but relative to fuels, it's really done 
rather well because fuels have collapsed far far further so petrochemical demands have held up reasonably well it depends very much on value chain so if you're doing if it's involved in ppe equipment then actually volumes are quite volumes are fairly volumes are fairly strong if it's involved in the auto sector then actually we're seeing far less cars being manufactured but broadly petrochemicals have held up quite well and if we look across the analysis we do across refining assets those that are integrated with petrochemicals those they tended to do they've tended to do best commercially they certainly out they've got greater flexibility and they've outperformed the other the standalone fuels refineries quite considerably so we th- that petrochemical integration the benefits of it are becoming more apparent and we think that's certainly very much how the industry will invest in the future when those facilities start to come on the, the discussions around circularity and sustainability they're still there what we've seen though is some of the pol- government policies that have have taken a bit of a back step uh, in some in some of the in some of the countries but the in, the industry is very aware of the need to become more sustainable um circularity is one of the ways that that can be delivered so it, that's very much a topic there want to understand more about and try and work out how that can become part of this move to a net zero carbon emissions and also deliver sustainability on petrochemicals. So overall, looking at everything in the big picture, I mean, what do you advise your refining clients? Are are you gloomy about the future for them? Oh, it's very, it's a very tough sell to come in and say that, you know, the the market is going to be very challenging but the market is going to be very challenging it it means probably doing nothing isn't an option the environment is it's going to be very difficult commercially so So what do they need to do what kind of strategy changes do you advise them oh what we're looking for very much need to really understand their cost base ensure they're getting the best the best in class as that or have plans to do that the other thing that we're sort of providing guidance on is at the moment the market is incredibly volatile so how can they best ensure they can capture margins when they're available because they if we look at crude flexibility optionality there can be value there so it's really around costs margin capture looking at trade trading activities how can you capture some of the value from product being the product or crude feedstock being in the wrong place at the wrong time and capture some of those things and then that hopefully will get them through this down phase help them survive they need to think about how can they secure offtake to keep utilization up because what we've seen is integrated sites or integrated value chains perform better when we go then into longer term, how do you how do you invest? What does the asset need to look like to be to have a social license to operate in 10 to 15 years time? How does it comply with ESG requirements? How do you get ahead of circularity? How do you get ahead of circularity and start to change the the image that the public has as the industry's role here and become part of the solution, part of the problem? So 
this is all around sort of short term tactics around survival and then establishing who are the key stakeholders that need to be engaged and worked with to come up with an asset that will be around in 10, 15, 20 years time. Okay, Alan. Well, I think we'll have to leave our interview here. Thanks for your insights and your time today. And we look forward to having you on again in the future. Thank you. It's definitely interesting times for refineries. It's a fluid time too that needs careful footing, business acumen and clever business pivoting. The energy industry is seeing fluctuating external events which are affecting every aspect of the energy market. And 2020, of course, isn't even over yet. Certainly will be remembered as we grow accustomed to the new normal. Let's thank Alan again for his insight and analysis into these uh, fluid developments. Watch this space for the next Alartia podcast in the series. I'm Sami Zaydan. For now, it's goodbye.